brand awareness is actually the marketer's top objective and acquisition is being secondary, but there's an intersection of those two that are, that's really critical. And so the general belief is that marketers have to engage both an upper funnel and lower funnel together and then measure ROI across the whole funnels. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I am today's host, John Miller, the CMO at Demandbase. And today I am super excited to talk to Jamie Wadowski on knowing your audience. Jamie is currently the Chief Marketing and Communication Officer at Nielsen. I'm sure you've heard of that company, and she'll explain a little bit more about that. And in her role, she focuses on deploying best-in-class marketing solutions, engaging in impactful thought leadership, and protecting the brand reputation. She's got a long career in marketing. Previously, she was the CMO at Wells Fargo Bank, where for nine years, she was responsible for the full scope of marketing, including global, global brand strategy and management, product marketing, media research, and analytics meetings, events, and sponsorships, and reputation. That is a lot of stuff. Uh, Jamie, I am excited to talk to you and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And it's always fun to talk marketing with a fellow CMO. So looking forward to it. Yeah, CMO, CMO. So yeah, so today we're talking all about knowing your audience, you know, because obviously that's so important for focusing our efforts on the right people, knowing what to say, being relevant, all this stuff that's so important in, in marketing today. You know, can you, you know, before the show, we were just talking a little bit about you bring kind of two different perspectives to the table. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of what Nielsen does, how it helps with audience marketing, and then how you think about it in your role as the CMO? Yeah, happy to. And um, as you mentioned, I, I've been a sitting CMO for big consumer companies and now B2B, but then also now get the privilege or honor of working for an actual, what most of us would think of as vendors, right? Somebody who actually is a provider, a partner, providing critical data and resources and tools. And so Nielsen itself really is about, I mean, our our mission is to power a better media future for all people. So we really do focus in the media side of marketing, but our our promise is really that the audience is everything. And so Nielsen really is the provider of and currency of choice right now in the industry around where is the audience engaging? What are they looking at? What's resonating as a result of what they engage in and what they see and hear? What do they do? What do they buy? What behaviors do they demonstrate? So for judging whether advertising or content is valuable and working, Nielsen provides critical data to marketers, to agencies, to networks to help in essence, both determine who is doing what as a result of seeing an ad or as a result of engaging in content. And then if you're on the seller side, right? So if you're a a media company, as an example, or an Amazon or a Google even, how do you price that, right? How do we price the value of ads, ad space and content for an advertiser? So we serve both sides of the industry. We serve advertising and content, buyers and sellers. And ultimately, obviously, we serve the consumer because at the end of the day, our entire focus is making sure that the consumer or the audience is getting what they want and need. Yeah. So there's, you know, there, you're, you're, you as a CMO, you're a marker is a B2B motion. You're selling to Google and to agencies, yep. you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's probably long-term relationships, complex sales cycles, uh, multi-million dollar relationships in many yep. cases. Yeah. Right. And then ultimately 
the people who are buying Nielsen's data or using it to manage their audiences typically about consumers. Exactly. Exactly. Great examples yeah. would be with the automotive industry, right? So we provide the automotive industry with very rich data about where their prospective car buyers are engaging, what they're engaging in, what they're listening to, what they're watching, what gives them the highest return through our outcomes business and our planning businesses. We help marketers with tools as much like you do, right? To help find the right audiences and then understand what those audiences are doing. And so, but those audiences are consumers to your point. So we serve yep. B2B clients who in turn serve for the most part consumers. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about kind of both sides of this coin and really explore the similarities and differences. So, you know, let's just start like, like when, when you think about knowing your audience, what do you need to know? <laughs> what are the various factors that the B2C and the B2B side, the B2B sides yeah. care about? Yeah. And it's really hard, right? Because as you know, and all marketers know is you don't want to boil the, you know, you don't want to know everything because you can't know everything, but you do need to know what's most selling it for your business. And so, you know, I'll, I'll talk about some of the things that obviously are knowable. I think obviously you want to know a lot about the needs of your audience, right? So who, who is your audience and what is it they need? And I think that's job number one as I mean, marketers to come back to what they need. But in terms of some of the data that all of us usually have at our fingertips and have either through first party data or through other kind of industry data is size, complexity, commonality, right? Among those different client segments or, or customer segments. And so, and part of that is because it's about making sure, obviously, you know, the right, you have the right product and you're going to, you know, who you're targeting. But then when you get to the media side of it and media being as broad as possible. So it's everything from one-to-one communication using own channels to social media, right? To, you know, scalable media such as TV or streaming. And so understanding how to reach those audiences is a lot, I think, more about really understanding who your clients are, what they buy, where they buy it, where they engage, what's the message that resonates with them. Uh, we are big believers in personas because as a B2B marketer, one of the big challenges is you tend to look at companies as monolithic you know, targets, right? Like we want to sell Amazon. Okay, great. Yeah. But we're not selling Amazon. There are probably 30 different parts of Amazon that can use our data. So within Amazon, right, is are we talking to a research director? Are we talking to a media planner? Are we talking to a a sponsorship department, right? And all of those are potential targets for some of our various products and services that we offer. And so we've done a lot of work ourselves. And I would say this is job number one with really segmenting a tar- your target audience based on what you know of your existing clients, right? Who are they? Size becomes very important because obviously like, you know, what you're going to do for a million dollar client is very different than what you'll do for a $10,000 client. The other data we found really helpful is really deeply understanding the amount of cross-purchase that takes place. So you're a client. What did you buy? What did you buy next? What are the, what is the convergence of two or three different products? And we, to be honest, we arm our sales force with that more than often. Like, hey, these are the three or four products that actually go together and create a very mm-hmm. compelling set of services that really help provide an exponential level of service to our clients. But marketing has access to all of that. Marketers are really good. That's the data that we gather. So we take existing clients, stratify them, understand their behavior, and then we use that to obviously profile prospects in the market. All right. So what I want to talk a little bit is kind of kind of account selection and tiering. So like I'll certainly like set up like in my world, there's about 14,000 companies that I could sell to. 
And about a thousand of them are current customer. But even within that, we, we can't focus our energy on everybody equally. So we tier them. We sort of group into like a tier one, a tier two, tier three, et cetera, based on, on data. So I'm, I'm wondering in your world, right? You know, first off, you know, do you already work with every company that you should be working with? Uh, and to the extent that you don't, how are you thinking about kind of tiering and, and your audience and knowing and what data do you use to do that tiering? Yeah, great question. And um, so to answer your question, you know, there's always clients you want to work with that you don't. But in our measurement business, which is kind of our core business, which is Nielsen ratings, which people know and love and tra- transact on all the time, we do business with most people, but not all, but most, most in the linear streaming audio worlds, right? But in our impact businesses, which are really planning and outcomes and providing things like multiple touch attribution and mixed modeling. And in those businesses where we do more consultative work, we definitely do not serve everybody. And so today, exactly to your point, we do tier and we tier based on size. We also tier based on, you know, sometimes we have a relationship and we want to understand the breadth of that potential relationship. And so I'd say we'd look at a number of different criteria. But a great example would be the world of agencies. You know, we do serve agencies. We serve global agencies like an Omnicom or a IPG. We also serve various targeted agencies like in-house agencies that are resident in a lot of companies or uh, sports agencies as another subset. And so to your point, a lot of it is within the different sub-segments of our target audience, then it's a matter of how do we want to allocate our resources and what are we trying to do? Is it lead generation? Is it active conversion? Is it, is it more of a sales one-to-one effort? And based on that, we're better able to then, you know, determine where to leverage our marketing investments. And what kind of, what are you doing for segmentation? Um, and let's answer this one again from both sides of the coin. You know, the, what your customers do and how they use the data for segmentation, but then also how are you, do, you know, kind of doing segmentation? You know, it's really about changing the messages you're putting out there based on sort of nuances of the audience. Yeah, exactly. So as a company, Nielsen, a lot of the information we provide to marketers is exactly that, which is what is the impact or the outcome of the the testing they are doing in their advertising, right? So what ads are resonating, what, what placement, what messaging? And so we serve as a as a tool to be able to actually help marketers make better decisions about how to how to segment and what's working and not working. So on the Nielsen side, we provide everything from kind of one-to-one to more kind of off-the-shelf solutions to help companies with their targeting based on being in the market and learning from what they're doing, right? And, and being able to look at both thir- first-party and third-party party data. Uh, as Nielsen ourselves, I would say it's a little bit of like taking our own medicine, right? And doing the same thing. I think that, um, you know, we are really actively out there all the time trying to understand what is the right way to segment. As you know, it's really hard, right? You can segment on so many different aspects. And what's the most salient way to to segment really is based on what we're trying to achieve, right? And so I think that we are kind of always looking at one of the more interesting things we've been really starting to do is to look at kind of these cohorts of, you know, who are the clients and use cases that use us for certain types of solutions and then modeling that and then finding kind of lookalikes, right, out in Mm -hmm. among our prospect base to, to, to target. We also do a lot of industry segmentation where it's relevant, right? So it's not relevant for everything. But I'll give an example. We uh, we have first party, we have solutions around privacy and data for a lot of our clients. Some clients are more interested in that than others, right? And particularly when you get to the financial industry, people want to target mortgage, people who are in the market for a mortgage, right? Very, very specific. Great. We want to segment based on that. Obviously, if you're 
a packaged goods company, you want to reach as many people as you can reach because everybody needs toilet paper. And so we work very closely with our clients, right, to provide that level of granularity on based on an industry even, but or or more specifically based on their own first party data where we can merge, obviously, with some of our data. Yeah. Somebody was told me, you know, industry plus persona is sort of like the holy grail of segmentation. But but there's a third dimension, which I think you just kind of mentioned, which is this idea of kind of who's in the market. You know, it, one of the things that my team has done a really nice job is sort of really kind of breaking down the what we call kind of the buyer's journey into different discrete stages. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's not rocket science. It's aware. You know, who, who might we want to go after who's not aware of us? Who's aware of us? Who's engaging with us? You know, who's actually showing buying intent, et cetera. And, and that's been a really powerful dimension for us of segmentation because somebody who's actively engaging with us responds to different messages than yeah. somebody who is not even really aware that we exist. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think especially in a B2B space, right? To your point, we do a lot now around, you know, obviously a lot of thought leadership is great to generate a lead. It's much more top of the funnel, right? It's somebody who's interested takes a long time for events, as an example. Those take a lot, much longer time usually to convert. Yeah. Um, but to your point, if somebody is already in the middle of the funnel, like what we find is obviously someone who's going to take the time to come that we could drive to the website who comes to the website is obviously much further down in the funnel. They want more information. They want to talk to somebody. That's a much hotter lead. How do we market to that? We also find that for that reason, probably that social media is one of our most powerful channels. So as a, as Nielsen as a marketer, we rely very heavily on social media. It's not that we don't, we, you know, we do trade advertising and marketing, we do events, but social media, we find that people are in their mindset and mode of, right? Particularly things like LinkedIn, honing their craft, doing their job, right? Being the best at the job, recruiting people, solving problems. And that, that becomes a really important source of, of people who are in a very different, as you said, kind of part of the buying cycle. Uh, but you're yeah. sort of, I agree with you that understanding where your clients are and where your prospects are in that end-to-end -end funnel is really important and being able to segment that way. And we spend a lot of time with our sales organization, by the way, helping them with that as well. Like here is where marketing can help you depending on where you are in that funnel, where that client is mm -hmm. or prospect is. That, yeah. Well, that, that's worth exploring, uh, which we'll come back to. But, but before we get to that, the, I just, like, so what data do you need to, yeah. to do this, right? You know, like, I mean, like literally, and what data? Like what data points are you collecting and looking at? Yeah, and I think the challenge here again is like you need, you do need qualitative data and quantitative data, right? I think you need real time data as well as as time based data, right? And I think you need a lot of, um, as I was saying, like you know, cl existing client data, right? Around how is your existing client portfolio performing? Because it gives a lot of insight into prospects. But I, you know, I will say I think where B two B clients often under I would say invest is in ongoing qualitative and quantitative research in addition to real time, real time kind of behavioral tracking through social media or other tools, right? Including engagement with their website or engagement through, through their other marketing tools. But really importantly, like having a baseline of where people are and being able to understand changes is so important to be relevant, right? And, and timely. And I, one of the things we found is that being able to listen through social monitoring, listen through our customer service teams, get real-time feedback from our sales force, talk to our clients directly, all of that is giving us data to make much better decisions around where people are in their cycle, where their um, behavior and attitudes might be changing 
And then what yeah. might be the best vehicles to reach them through? So definitely mining your own first party data is job number one. But I would say really important to think both qualitative and quantitatively, are you getting real-time feedback from your clients and prospects? That's so interesting. It seems like there's, you know, a lot of companies really struggle just getting the first party data together to a place where they can actually do anything useful with it. It sounds like you've tackled that. Yeah. I mean, not perfectly. I mean, we're just like everybody else, right? It's, uh, I will tell you, having worked in a, a big consumer company, and it was funny, I worked at a new site at Wells Fargo, right? Where we had so much data, people would say we almost had too much data, no data, because you, had, you almost uh-huh. didn't know what you started. We had billions and billions and billions of transactions. I think the irony is you then work in a B2B world where in theory, you should have sort of a more manageable size. I mean, you have thousands of clients, not millions and hundreds of millions of clients. But even so, to your point, there's always the challenge of how do you get that data into something that is usable real time. And so to be honest, we're, we torture our data just like everybody else does, but we really try to <laughs> prioritize how are we going to use this data? What's the desired outcome of what we're trying to do? And so that's why I gave you earlier the example of one of the most successful things we're doing right now is just looking at what is the interrelationship between our products with different client segments, mm-hmm. right? And some segments naturally will use these two or three. Other segments will use these five or six. What are the lookalikes to those five or six? What was the sequence they bought in, right? So we're spending the effort to torture that data because the, the prize of that, the upside of that is huge, right? Because we know how profitable those clients are. If we can find totally. 50 or 100 of those prospects in our own customer base and cultivate them, so much easier than your point earlier about going to thousands and thousands of people who might just be in the awareness phase. We, we actually see that across some of our customers too. Well, you know, because we, we, you know, one of the things we do is we track technographics, which is, you know, what technologies do companies own? And yeah. we have a big enough data set, we're able to see those patterns. So like if somebody owns this technology and then they own this technology, they're probably going to buy this technology exactly. next. Yeah. You know, exactly. and we can kind of give that data to our customers. Um, it's very simple what you're doing. That, right. Do marketers normally, I don't know that most marketers always think about using that data that way. I think marks, a lot of marketers think about like, okay, how do I reach this segment? How do I reach advertisers? How do I yeah, reach totally. doctors? How do I reach? But using that data of our existing is so rich, right? In telling you where to go. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the change that's happening here a little bit is sort of that move from just kind of fact-based segmentation. Like they're this industry, they're this company size, you know, a little bit more into what you were talking about, like this behavioral, yeah. knowing kind of, where are they and you know what are, what behaviors have they done and what might they do next and use that to understand the buying journey you yeah know? that's just, um, it's also helpful to us by the way and probably for other b2b marketers um around finding in good influencers and use cases and being able to actually yeah. get our clients taught you know the, the people who do use it a certain way becoming advocates to others that can can learn from that and then i'd like to kind of Go back to two threads we talked about. You know, the first one is it sounds like you're providing data to your customers about who's buying or like the, a year of people who might be looking for a mortgage. Right. You know, exactly. How, how, like, how are you doing that? Like, where does that data come from? How do you get that insight? Right. Well, so remember, we do, we are doing obviously a lot of merging, right? Our own data with first party data. So we work with a lot uh-huh. of companies that actually work with them directly on that to understand, you know, they know who their clients are, who, are qualified for a mortgage or maybe in the market for a yep, mortgage. Yep, yep. And we know where that person could best be found, what they're engaging in, what they're responding to. So a lot of it is, remember, we what we have is really deep knowledge about the audience, what they're mm-hmm. engaging in from a content and advertising perspective. 
And then as we marry that back with first-party data, we're able to really help with more of the outcome and planning side of it. So we know who did what now, and then where do they go from there? So that's really where we, and, and we do a lot of that closed loop as well. I mean, we are, we do have our own opportunity now around an identity solution so that we're able to really identify more and more customers now that, you know, that there's obviously risk of cookies going away eventually. So we are working with partners on that as well. But I think that a lot of our impact business is really working with specific clients and leveraging some of their first party data and what they know with the richness of what Nielsen knows, which is roughly every household in America, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the theme that I'm hearing here is, you know, it's the it, where, where the real intelligence comes from is combining the first party data with and really quality third party data that you can bring to the table. Yeah, that's definitely the it theme. does. And I mean, not everybody has first party data that they can use, you know, as richly and especially, you know, especially in B2B, sometimes it is hard to real time leverage that first party data. So <laughs> to your point, sometimes it's learning from your first party data and then leveraging that right? You could still yeah. leverage that to be highly effective in, a, in the market the right side. Yeah. The other thread I wanted to pull was you talked a little bit about, you know, one of the roles that marketing and Nielsen is doing is just giving insights to the sales team, yes. right? Like, you know, you know, your audience, <laughs> you know, you like, you know, information, like they own these products, they might buy this product next. How are you actually working with sales to provide yeah. them these audience insights? Yeah, not clearly where we need to be yet, but I will say we're very committed to Salesforce and that being kind of the tool to start to bring all these pieces together. Um, we, but we definitely are um, in at the early stages of creating kind of more of a direct interface around being able to provide real time customer insight, competitive intelligence, right? To our salespeople as they are, you know, in the act of planning and engagement with their clients. And so. I mm -hmm. think that we are putting those, I mean, I've, it's, I'm about a year and a half into Nielsen now. And so we're putting those pieces together. And so today I'd say it's a little bit more and a little less automated than is ideal. I mean, ideally, as you know, you want to have someone who's doing their sales planning, be able to say, oh, okay. So I'm about to call on a great example, right? Like an in-house ad agency. What, who else uses Nielsen, right? That has an in-house ad agency. How do they use Nielsen? What should I be telling this client? What are some of the insights from our recent work with? It's still a little bit, that's still a little not real time for us, right? But we are at least providing yep. that data. So what we're trying to do is really be much more effective at, okay, if you're going to be calling on these clients, selling these types of solutions, here's what you need to know, right? All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's super, super helpful. It's super helpful. As I said, I mean, people always want it more and more real time. And so we are working yeah. on that. But as you know, any insight, which is again, why Nielsen what we know about audiences is so helpful to our B2B clients when they translate into B2C because that's mm -hmm. not what it's all about. And they only have one side of it. So they know what a customer has done with them. But to your point, they don't know what a prospect has done or is doing outside of them. And that's where Nielsen comes in. It is very helpful. Same is true for Nielsen ourselves, right? Is how do we provide both of those? Sure. That's cool. So you, we both have been talking about data so far, but you did mention earlier, like lookalike analytics. So like, where do you see just the role of analytics, you know, machine learning, all that kind of stuff as part of this whole puzzle? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really important part, right? I think that, you know, especially as we get into the consumer space, I mean, where you have just troves and troves of data, right? That that, yeah. that AI becomes really important. Um, that machine learning becomes really important. But, you know, we use that as well, obviously, to understand broad swaths of audience behavior, right? And understanding, you know, we have 
100,000 individuals that are part of our panels, which is awesome. But we also take in big data and bringing those together, right, takes a lot of automation and machine learning, which is very powerful to combine machine learning with individual behaviors and insights. And so I really believe the magic is in, in the combination of those, to your point. Like you need the, you need the raw data and you need the, you need the nuance of the behavior and attitudes that we were talking about. And then you need to marry that with the machine learning to be able to get more predictive and scaled. Uh-huh. Got it. All right. So now the theme is it's first party data augmented with good third party data and then made sense of with AI. Yep. I so like that. There you go. There's yeah. the recipe. <laughs> um, <laughs> not so easy, doesn't it? Sounds like we should all be able to do that. <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds easy. So, you know, like how next I want to talk about kind of a little bit more like the mechanical process. When are you kind of building your your segments and your tiers? How often are you doing it? How often are you kind of revisiting and you know up updating, reevaluating the audiences? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question, right? Because I think, you know, clearly as we are doing the analytics that you referenced, right? And some of that is, you know, some of that's calendarized, whether it's quarterly or semi-annual or annual based on our planning and obviously revenue cycles and all businesses are doing that, what's working, what's not working. So I would say we are in a continual state from a marketer's perspective of what's working, not working, which causes us to consistently sort of reevaluate our segments. What I would say is we're very clear on our core segments that we're focused on for our core solutions. Uh, we are increasingly focused on sub-segments and what are the most critical sub-segments. And then where the refinement comes in is more often around once you get below that, it's sort of where you were going with is you know, your tier one, tier two, tier three. Like tier one and tier two are pretty clear. You'll have a little bit of movement in and out, but tier three, I mean, that's kind of what you're watching, right? You're watching, are people coming in? Are they moving up? Are they changing? Um, is there, are there, are there opportunities in there? Because the tier ones are pretty known. The tier twos are probably on their way to becoming tier ones if all goes right. And then your tier threes are sort of the ones where you just don't, you have to watch and you have to watch their behavior and see what's happening. The other thing I would say that requires us as marketers to pretty much real time always be evaluating, not the segment itself, but more our messaging. And you've alluded to messaging earlier, I think is, because how rapidly the business environment is changing, right? So, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like we we find obviously in the six months leading up to an Olympics that the need and demand for our sports measurement products and our sports impact products is very high, right? We're going to be sponsoring oh, the Olympics. Right? We want to understand how to measure that. So being really sensitive to planned timing and also unplanned timing, right? So things like elections and that they take on a life of their own, but but marketers want and need to be aware of how their consumers or that their businesses are engaging in media as real time as possible does change a little bit about who's receptive to a message they might not have been and how do we target them in a way that we might not have been able to. So I'm, a, again, a believer of you, you have a foundation that is sort of predictable, stable, right, as we were talking about, and then you have you're always going to have a layer that is actively testing and learning and actively by swapping in and out based on real-time opportunities. Got it. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm just, I'm thinking about the whole thing in the context of, again, my business, you know, where, where we sort of run an annual select, you know, scoring selection process, you know, and it's, you know, and then kind of every quarter they can, we, our reps can update it slightly, but it's, you know, just kind of, and yeah, how, how you, it's need, you need the predictability and the stability, both for sales planning, as well as, you know, for us, if we're making ongoing marketing investments, I mean, some of it, social media as an example, right, is very real time. But if we're choosing what events we're going to participate in or major thought, like we have two 
major kind of thought leadership studies that we did in the last year. One was an annual marketing report. The other was a ROI report. Both of those are really big, important studies. Like we're just going to have to put a place in the sand, you know, put a line in the sand and do them. And so you have to plan, but then how we actually market them, to be honest, changes dramatically because there are nuanced, there's nuggets of information in those studies that are suddenly become highly relevant based on something that's happened in the marketplace. And that's where the channels, having the channels, whether it's email or social media or other earned or owned channels come in to play, which is how do we quickly get that information to our clients because it takes on a new relevance now that it didn't have before. Yeah, so that's actually a great segue to talk maybe a little bit more about, I think, channels. You know, because again, the theme here is we're talking about all having all this intelligence, really knowing our audience and segmenting them. And now it's time to actually use that intelligence and we got to mark, we got to do some marketing. We got to interact. We got to talk to them. We got to reach out to them. Where, how do you, how does, you know, how do you think about just using all the data, all this intelligence to interact more intelligently? How do you help your customers do that? And then how do you do it yourselves? Yeah. Um, so definitely. And, and both, obviously. So we obviously, in terms of helping our customers, again, I think that our impact business is invaluable at helping people structure, try, you know, execute, track, plan that whole cycle of both their content and advertising, how they are engaging with their audience, right? So understanding who the audience is, where they're going to find the audience, and then what the offer is and what actually happened with that offer. So that is what Nielsen does for our advertisers and our agencies is help them understand that whole cycle and therefore help people understand, like, you know, feed into the media planning cycle based on what We've already learned about the segment, how they engaged, what the message was, what performed well, what was the action taken, um, what was the ROI. So helping in that entire cycle. Um, I would say the same, obviously, true of Nielsen, you know, in terms of how we ourselves are executing. I think we have a very active test and learn. Our, one of our, you know, we ourselves are building out our ROI capability. As an example, we're leveraging Nielsen's own tools to do that uh, because we should, uh-huh. we should use our own tools, right? And uh, really helpful, though, in understanding like, okay, you know, this was a great campaign. It seemed to generate a lot of leads, but wow, you know, not a whole lot of those actually converted versus, you know, so we are big believers in very active test and learning, both in terms of segment, media, and obviously ROI. <clears throat> maybe if we could just double click in the channels a little bit more. I mean, I, I think just a lot of marketers I talk to love talking about just the marketing mix. Like, like, yeah. hey, what's working? You yeah. know, yeah. Like you mentioned events. You yeah. know, I mean, I think a lot of people out there are still skeptical about events. Uh, you know, and are they, have they come back? You know, I'm sure you're doing some digital advertising because obviously you work so closely in that industry. Just is yeah. there any, are there any examples you can think of where, where, you know, you're using this intelligence to really improve the execution in a specific channel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, and I'll give you a statistic first from our annual marketing report, because that report actually looked at in general, what do all marketers, what are all marketers focused on? What are they doing? It was interesting. 64% of respondents said that social media was their most effective paid channel. So, you know, back to where we were talking about earlier, like for Nielsen ourselves, we do find social media right now to be a very powerful channel. Uh, but interestingly, across all marketers, right, this is a very big study that we do annually. The fact that 64% of them say that social media is their most effective paid channel. The other thing that was really interesting is around channels also is that there's not the same bifurcation there used to be, which is, you know, TV is for brand awareness and, you know, 
digital marketing is for conversion. It's not that yeah, clear. Right. But all of that is blurring, right? And while that brand awareness is actually the marketer's top objective and acquisition is being secondary, but there's an intersection of those two that are that's really critical. And so the general belief is that marketers have to engage both in upper funnel and lower funnel together and then measure, measure ROI across the whole funnel. So it's really interesting you say that because every channel has its own dynamics and its own role. And so depending on the objective, like we will dial up one or other channel and we still do heavy up brand awareness in some channels and obviously lower funnel and others. But I think I thought it was really interesting that the, the over indexing on digital and on uh, social is, is notable. And in fact, marketers spent more than half of their budgets in 2021 on digital channels. So to your point, digital streaming, social, that's where the money's going because that's where audiences are going. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen some other stats, you know, more or for B2B, you know, that the B2B buying process is 78% digital now. So wouldn't be surprising if, you know, that's where others are moving their dollars, you know, and, and obviously we've, uh, the pandemic led to like a massive shift toward digital. So these numbers, you know, obviously swung along the last couple of years. So yeah, any anything else you wanted to talk about in audiences? Otherwise, I've got a couple of wrap up questions for you. No, I mean, I think I think we've covered we've covered a lot of territory. I think that um, just overall, I mean, as I said, you know, I think audience is everything, and so a lot of what we talked about was just anchoring everything in a deep understanding of the audience, right? And that you know where Nielsen can help our clients is under helping them understand their behavior when it comes to engaging in media and what actions they take. As a marketer myself. It's, it's taking on the responsibility to leverage data and insights to inform our sales organization. And to your point, to make both in the moment as well as longer term plays around better segmenting and resonating with our audiences. So I, you know, I, I do come back to our thing, which is audience is everything. Cause at the end of the day, I think it is. I think that, um, the mistake a lot of us as marketers make sometimes is, is thinking our product or our solution is everything. <laughs> but when we start back where we started our conversation around personas and around, right? the audience and what their needs are, it almost always leads you to the right outcome. Great. Well, that's a really good summary of the whole conversation. So yeah, we, we always end every podcast with just a couple kind of standard questions for everyone. First off is kind of good reads. You know, is there a, a book or a blog or a newsletter, any other resource that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, so selfishly, I'm going to plug our annual marketing report only because I actually think as a marketer, it actually helps me think about, and I, I actually moderated a session with other CMOs and it was the conversation that came out of it was really critical because it was a lot of questions around things like brand purpose and does brand purpose matter or not? Does that drive behavior differences among your clients and customers? So it teases out a lot of what marketers today are thinking about and what, where they think things are headed. So I would say Nielsen's annual marketing survey report, which all of you can get on our website. Okay. And what about, um, any people, uh, you know, marketers uh, that you kind of go to learn from or that you find inspiring? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, right? I would say I, I kind of just going to name a company and a CEO because I just feel like what they do is pretty incredible. Um, the company's Apple. And again, you know, I know they get called out all the time, but the reason they get called out is because at the core, they understand their customer and they are religious about staying true to keeping things simple for their customer. And, you know, in a B2B world, and I'm sure your business is the same, it's really easy to get caught up in the complexity of our products and services. And so I come back, you know, and I can't tell you how many times other people have said to me, well, just make it as simple as Apple. I'm like, yeah, it should be so simple. <laughs> but I have to say, I, I 
I still admire after all these years, their ability to hit the core of simplicity in what is otherwise just as complex a business as most of what we operate in. So I would say that's one. The other is Satya Nadella, who I just have a lot of respect for at Microsoft. And I think it's because of, again, kind of the transformation of taking, um, of seeing the future and being able to change the organization and change their culture and change the way they serve clients to get there. Um, and so I think all the time that our jobs as marketers is to see where clients are and see where they're going and be the future. A lot of our the people we work with day in and day out are focused on what's today, what's tomorrow, what's the next day. That our job is to be that that forward-looking part of the business, whether it's through data, insights, or intuition, and to bring that into the organization. And so I tend to look for people in the industry or outside our industry that do that, right? That are those seers. And then I lean on the people like Apple as inspiration for, gosh, just keep it simple. You're not going to go wrong being guided by those two uh, you know, options. <laughs> if folks want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to, to find dip, you? Probably LinkedIn. Always the best way. Okay. Right? Just find uh-huh. me on, out in the social world and then that would be great. Yep. And I will encourage that if anybody tries to like link, link, a link to you, make sure that you mention that they heard the podcast so that way they know what? why you're reaching out. Because people reach out to me all the time like, I, why are you calling? You know, so <laughs> having that context is always useful. So this is Jamie. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for your time joining on our podcast and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, John. It was great to get to talk to you and fun to explore some of the, uh, the topics that are near and dear to all of us. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 